once heard about a man who grew up in China. And he had a great love for music. In fact, that love would uh, drive him to, to buy as much music as he could, to listen to music. He would go to concerts as often as he possibly could. His, his love for music was the symphony, orchestra, music. As soon as he was old enough to get a job, he, he actually purchased a violin because he loved the music so much. Uh, the thing was, is he cherished this violin, but he actually never learned to play it. But he would carry it often with him in many places where he would go. Time went on as he attended more and more concerts and he grew older and became very accomplished in his career. Uh, he became very successful and still truly loved the violin, loved going to concerts, loved music. And it occurred to him how amazing it would be to be part of the sympathy, symphony. <laughs> What that would be like to, to actually play with an orchestra and be in the middle of the string section playing a violin. Of course, one big problem, he didn't, wasn't able, able to play. He had the instrument, of course, and he had an idea. He actually approached the conductor of the Chinese National Orchestra and offered to make a very, very large donation. In exchange for the donation, he asked the conductor if he would allow him to simply simulate playing with the orchestra. He promised he wouldn't actually touch the strings with his bow, he wouldn't actually make any sounds whatsoever, but he promised to fit in as best he could because for long his life dream was to play with an orchestra. Well, apparently it was a very large amount of money because the conductor agreed. And for two years, this man actually played in the symphony. And, and every time he looked around and when the section would put up their violins, he would simulate playing with them and, and it appeared to everyone who looked on that he truly was an accomplished violinist even though he didn't know how to play at all. Well, the time came after two years that the conductor actually took a position elsewhere and a new conductor arrived and he thought, no problem, I'll just keep doing what I've always done. The secret is safe. But wouldn't you know it, as an upcoming concert for the king was quickly approaching the emperor and the conductor made an announcement as he was beginning this new time of leading the orchestra, he made it clear that there was to be individual tryouts so that he could learn and, and see how accomplished each player was. But when his tryout came, he called in sick, of course, and and after some time of this happening over and over again, finally the day came where he reported for his tryout. And as the story goes, he finally needed to face the music. And folks, that's where that phrase comes from. The idea of facing the music. That the charade is over. The pretending is no longer going to work. For who we really are is revealed. And it just so happens Lent is a face the music kind of season. There's no pretending during Lent. There's no just going through the motions. There's no just singing the songs. Because the songs remind us of who we really are. We just sang one a few moments ago. 
Savior, when in dust to thee, low we bow on bended knee, when repentant to the skies, scarce we lift our weeping eyes. Oh, by all thy pain and woe, suffered once for us below. Bending from thy throne on high, hear our penitential cry. And so the hymn goes, and so does so many others. See, it's a face-the-music kind of season to not be pretending anymore. Uh, to not have the, the appearance that we've got it all together and, and look at me, how wonderful I am. And after all, I'm the example of Christ to the world. You know, Jesus told a story about that once. And it was a face the music kind of story. The, the scriptures call it a, a parable. And, and Luke's gospel records it. We, we actually read it a few moments ago. It says that, to those who had gathered around Jesus who were confident in their own righteousness. Luke says as a setup to the story. And it also says those who look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. He said that two men went up to the temple to pray. One of them, it so happens, was a Pharisee. And the other was a tax collector. And uh, the Pharisee, it says, stood by himself and he prayed. And I'm going to stop there for a moment to ponder this a little bit with you. It, it said that literally Jesus said he stood by himself to pray. And, and, and literally it actually says he prayed to himself. Because his prayer really is more about him than it is about God. And Jesus tells us, Exactly what he prayed, boldly, loudly, very likely so others around him could hear it because it's an impressive prayer. It's like a resume to the world of look how good I am. And, and here's what he said. Two men, and here it goes. He says, God, I thank you. And it sounds good to that point, right? I thank you, God. This is good, but I thank you that I am not like everyone else. And literally, like everyone else. Um, remember the, the song, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way? Uh, how'd that go? Can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. Uh, to know me is to love me. And it goes, I mean, this is the song he's singing here. It's a prayer. He says, you know, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. And he says, or even like that tax collector. And Jesus is painting this picture that some distance over, there's the tax collector. Now here's the Pharisee. And just put this in context. In Jesus' day, as he's telling this story, as Josephus the historian has made clear, very likely in these days there were around 6,000 Pharisees. They were known for being above reproach in every way. They prided themselves on, on having extravagant prayers and, and wonderfully ways of, of dressing so that they would make a spectacle wherever they went. They were known to be very, very clear on how righteous they truly were, or at least how righteous they thought they were. And as Jesus is telling the story, others would have thought, well, wow, that is truly a, an upright, devout admirable Pharisee. 
and how right that he's pointing out what's wrong with everyone else. The adulterers, the sinners, the robbers, the tax collectors. Oh yeah, the tax collectors. The ones who may have even been born Jewish, but they worked for the government, you see. The Roman government. And, and by association through their position and their job, well, they were considered to be traitors. They were considered to be unlikable, unlovable, unwanted, and disrespectful to the faith. And so the Pharisee continues, I thank you that I'm not like them. In fact, I fast twice a week. Here comes even more of the resume. The Old Testament scripture said to fast once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, but this guy fasts, fasts twice a week. Think about that. Hundred and what? Four times a year would that be, right? Most likely if that was what he did, it would have been on a Tuesday or a Thursday. Those that took an even higher view of the law, this man was very devout to his religion, you would say, and, and he was a, a faster. And he was a, a tither. He says, and I tithe a tenth and I give all of that away of all I get. In other words, based on his gross, not his net. That's impressive. Jesus is painting a picture of quite a religious man. It would seem that that would be very upright. Something to be obtained. Something that would make sense. Something that we would all say, wow, that's, that's my story. I've grown up in the church. I've been a Missouri City Lutheran my entire life. I've been a member of the church. I helped build this place. I, I give. And, and you know what? This place would fall apart without me. And Maybe this is a face the music kind of moment. Because Jesus goes on. But the tax collector stood at a distance. You know, the one that's not worthy, the one that culture had said was rejected, the, the church had said wasn't welcome, considered to be a sinner, beyond forgiveness, beyond desire, the one who was labeled a, a traitor. Jesus says he stood at a distance, and he would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. That's quite a picture. I mean, tax collectors were known for being cheaters and liars. And, you know, how they made their living was, you know, as people came to pay their taxes to the Roman government, well, tax collectors would take a, they would name the price and they'd skim off the top. They could basically name their price and people were forced to pay it. No wonder they were not liked. And yet this man, working in such an unlikable profession, Jesus said doesn't even look up to heaven. He's broken. And he calls on God for mercy. And he says, I'm a sinner. And then Jesus says something very unexpected. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified 
before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. How do we face this music tonight? And the reality of who we are. And if you come into the door tonight and you're thinking about all the accolades of what you've done for God and how successful you are and and all the good things you do for Him and how you deserve His love, do you know how wrong we are on that? I love what the Old Testament says about this when Isaiah says that all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags in the presence of Almighty God. Almighty God who is holy, perfect, powerful. And for us to even think we deserve anything, we are so off base. This is a face the music kind of season. And thankfully, as we do face that music, of our brokenness, of our sinfulness, of the fact that even our righteous attempts fall short of God's will and God's glory in our lives, not to mention all the ways we rebel and reject his love and reject his way. This is a face-the-music kind of time. And yet God teaches us that as we get real and as we admit our need, And as we come before him tonight and we say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus sings some good news for us. Like prophet Zephaniah says that the Lord sings over his people. And that song is one of love. It's one of victory. It's one of passion and compassion in the one who had come and walked the way. A dirge, really on his way to a cross. But he'd do it for us. And he'd do it out of love. He'd do it to rescue us. He'd do it so that he might set us right as broken people. People who are messed up. People who have fallen from grace. And yet his grace covers it. Because he comes. And he comes to sing. And he invites us in this season to sing. To sing those songs that remind us of our brokenness, that remind us that we are dust, and to dust we will return. But in that, that God has given us life, a reason to sing. And though the echoes are distant of a Sunday that's coming at the end of all of this, where God proclaims victory, the song over his people, that he has conquered even death. May God lead us in these times as we face the music of his love. In Jesus' name. Amen.